0: Some of the frontier open questions that virtual reality is looking at there's a couple of them one is empathy another is wonder and awe and so in some ways empathy and wonder and awe, these are things that actually need to have an integral approach to be able to really fully understand specifically with empathy you know there's different dimensions of how much are you able to actually interact and are you able right. to both pay attention to someone and tell a story but also really receive it and feel it or how does empathy change when you have agency within the context and do you need to have that agency and so empathy is one of the front lines and I think that in terms of identity expansion empathy seems to be a key component towards as you are able to have a moral development you're able to empathize with more and more larger people so theoretically I would say empathy is one one of the catalysts in terms of maybe just creating an experience that gives you this sense of being able to empathize with somebody's life experience, that you're able to really step into their shoes and get a sense of what their life might be like. Right. Um, And then the other two are the wonder and awe. And the wonder and awe comes up in the overview effect, which is this effect when astronauts go and they see this vastness of space and the Earth. It's something that they have to actually expand their conceptual framework in order to take in that information. And so that Wonder and awe is associated with this vastness of an experience that is unlike anything else that you've had before. And so, virtual reality is able to on demand generate experiences of wonder and awe. Right. But studying it, it's not just like a neurological thing, there's also a phenomenological thing that's happening there as well. And so, a big challenge that has been found within a lot of this type of research is how do you mix phenomenology with neuroscience? And so there's this blending of those two called neurophenomenology, which is that you're able to have a VR headset on with a EEG. You're able to get your brain waves, but you're able to actually listen to someone's phenomenological direct experience of what they're experiencing, and you're able to control the experience that they're having. And so with that, this concept of neurophenomenology, sort of philosophically, it's saying that this realm of the interior subjective is now going to be blended together with the objective exterior. And that merging of the two, I think, is something that has traditionally been very difficult because as we were talking earlier about subsymbolic processing, you know, when people tell a story about why they did something, it doesn't always match up with what's actually happening within their body. And so there's been this distrust of even taking in subjective phenomenological accounts. But one of the things that things like Wonder and All are showing, but also virtual reality technologies, is you now have this capability to start to merge these two together and see how their related to each other but i know that in your Aqual framework you have the quadrant system where you have the interior and the exterior And in a lot of ways, these different disciplines and domains, they don't really cross those lines very often. And what's exciting about virtual reality is that it's like a melting pot that is this cross-disciplinary mechanism that people can use the human experience as this common framework to be able to blend the insights from all these different disciplines. So you could start to match all this psychological or depth psychological or interior methods of qualitative research with the more quantitative research from a lot of the other existing methods of science.
1: Well, right, and keep in mind that the way the quadrants are presented, you had mentioned at one point that it could sort of just kind of reinforce the Cartesian dualism, but that's actually sort of the opposite of what they are meant to do. I mean, pretty much any mature language around the world recognizes that there's a subject and object. What made the Cartesian dualism so different is that it absolutized the split between subject and object. And there wasn't even a way for them to interact. So a lot of philosophers who bought it had to come up with things like a pre-established harmony and all that kind of stuff. That's exactly what the quadrants claims doesn't happen. The quadrants claim that you can just take any sort of happening before you classify it or come up with concepts on it or frame it or label it or name it or anything like that. And before you do any of that, there's actually at least four perspectives that you can look at that happening. And you can look at it in first-person perspectives, you can look at it in third-person perspectives, you can look at it in second-person perspectives. And again, these first, second, and third-person perspectives are found in virtually all of the world's modern languages, because as they evolved... They were reflecting these very real realities that these different perspectives recommended. Now of course some disciplines choose just one perspective. So traditionally scientific materialism chooses just the third person perspective. That's the only one that's real. And first and second person aren't real. And that's not what the quadrants claims. The quadrants claims that they're all interacting, that they're all fluid, and that they're all different perspectives of a same happening. It doesn't mean that they don't have relative independence and they do. So even Chalmers, for example, recognizes that at least three different domains and only one of them is the neurophysiological, no matter what it shows. Those are third person realities. And then he has first person psychological experiences and those are relatively independent from the third person, brain, neurophysiological structures. And then there's also things that we just, he just refer to as psychological structures. And those aren't immediate, uh, like grammar, for example. And so all three of those domains have reality. And the question about having something like virtual reality, be able to start blending those, or just in general, blend first, second, and third person, or in general, blend the quadrants. All of that is fine. The problem is that we really can't over-glorify the types of stuff that we get from just one of them, just the third-person neurophysiology. What we can't let that do, it doesn't matter how much it agrees or disagrees with first-person phenomena or first-person structures like grammar. Those still have reality in their own right, and they do have correlations, But again, we don't want to just sort of absolutize one and denigrate all the others. But we can start, I think virtual reality can start to blend these, and I would say that's another thing. I sort of toss that into showing up. Where showing up is just a general term for making sure you include all the quadrants, or more generally, make sure you're including any appropriate typologies whether it's the four presences or Myers-Briggs or Big Five or Enneagram, whatever that might be. But part of the problem right now is that we don't have any understanding of what structures of consciousness in the psychological interior, as opposed to brain physiology, which is on the interior, but We access that through a third-person, not a first-person approach. But we sort of have an understanding that sort of states of consciousness in a person's psyche has some sort of correlation with brain states. So you can get waking, dreaming, deep sleep, for example, correlating with alpha, theta, and delta waves in the brain. And we see those kinds of correlations. Nobody has yet found any sort of possible correlations between structures of consciousness in the psyche and correlations that would be occurring in the brain. And so that's one of the problems that we haven't been able to come up with brain imaging that shows what these different stages of development are. And we know those stages are there, as I say, because of some 40 plus tests showing that they're real. It doesn't matter what physiological correlates are are preceding them or not preceding with them or going with them or showing stuff that you won't find by looking just at the structures. That goes without saying. But what we are looking for is ways to take important factors that are occurring in consciousness and actually finding what those correlates would be in the brain. And so far we're nowhere near doing that. So I don't find all of that research all that helpful right now. It tells us some important things, but it's got a lot more that it needs to do to really start covering the bases.
0: We hope you enjoyed this excerpt from Kent By and Ken Wilber's discussion of virtual reality as a platform of transformation. If you'd like to hear the full two-hour dialogue, you can do so by becoming a member of IntegralLife.com. It only costs $1 for your first month, which will unlock a wealth of practices, perspectives, and presentations to help you in your own path of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up.